0: Welcome to the Vandenak Weaver Legal Visionaries podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack.
1: So welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news, as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. My name is Mary Vandenack. Founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trollson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trust and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well being. First, I want to thank our sponsors Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. Here's a message from Interactive Legal.
2: Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks estate planners and law professionals turn to interactive legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies interactive legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market with an easy-to-use document drafting system extensive continuing education thought-provoking discussion forums and more with interactive legal attorneys get to spend more time with their clients it's time to connect collaborate and create To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit InteractiveLegal.com. Wealth planning
0: focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth, Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment Advisory Service is offered through CWM LLC an SEC Registered Investment Advisor.
1: On today's episode, my guest is Amanda Copeland. Amanda is a mental health counselor, an entrepreneur and thought leader who creates innovative solutions to fill gaps in the mental health care system. In 2016, she created Copeland Consulting, a nationwide concierge mental health treatment team service. Amanda is passionate about helping people achieve mental wellness and creating sustainable support systems and solutions which integrate seamlessly into real life. She is a speaker and a nationally sought-after consultant who specializes in creating unique treatment plans and recommendations for individuals struggling with psychological concerns such as addictions, eating disorders, lack of motivation, and other issues impacting mental wellness. She is particularly adept at involving trusted advisors and family members in order to create the greatest impact. So Amanda and I did a previous episode where we talked about seniors and estate planning concerns, and I asked Amanda back today to talk about providing autonomy and dignity while providing protection to estate planning clients. Thanks for joining me today, Amanda.
3: Thank you for having
1: me. And so can you briefly talk about the context in which this topic applies, this concept of promoting promoting autonomy
3: and dignity while providing protection to estate planning clients? I am incredibly passionate about this topic because I think there are so many ways that it could go wrong when a client has a mental health issue. Um, I think every you know, as far as parents go, every parent has these great intentions of, I want all of my kids to thrive, and so, um, they're like, Oh, I just want to split everything equally, which sounds great in theory until you realize that one kid has bipolar, one kid has um, ADHD and like just super impulsive and off the walls and can't manage money, one kid has um, an eating disorder or an an addiction. And they're using that money to get drugs, uh, which literally many of these things, the money will actually fuel their ability to kill themselves faster. And it will prevent everybody from being able to intervene because money is frequently a point of leverage when somebody's intervening. So what I always say when I'm training estate planners or, or parents on this topic is I talk about a peanut allergy. So like, for example, if you are giving uh, snacks to all your kids and you have three kids and one kid has a peanut allergy, equal is giving all the kids peanuts. And then if you, you know, if you don't do that, it's either giving none of the kids peanuts or it's giving all the kids peanuts. And suddenly it begins to click for the parents, for the estate planners, like, oh, okay, I understand. Equitable is giving all the kids snacks. So, for example, with estate planning, all of the kids can benefit equally and you can still guardrail so that the kid with mental health issues benefits instead of destroys themselves with it.
1: So why is this topic important for estate planners to be aware of?
3: I've heard estate planners tell me, well, I don't specialize in that. Well, I mean, like it or not, some of your clients have mental health disorders. One in five people in America have a mental health disorder. And during the pandemic, it just soared. So I don't think you can be an estate planner and say, I don't specialize in that and have that be an adequate uh, release of... Your responsibilities as a planner. It's almost like saying, I don't specialize in aging. So, all of my aging clients, I have to refer out. Like, it's just inevitable at some point that somebody in a family you work with has a mental health disorder that you will have to be able to plan for. All right. So, can you talk to me a little bit about your experience
1: working with seniors and mental health issues?
3: Yeah, I mean, in the the last year, we've had people in their 80s that are getting sober for the first time, people that are uh, 70s being able to address their eating disorders or OCD for the first time, people in their 60s that are really addressing depression. And it's been an incredible journey to witness them uh, turn a corner and have hope for their lives. And to see the life they have in front of them versus the life that's left behind them. And one of the things that strikes me with each and every one of these situations, not one of them chose to get help on their own. Their families decided to intervene and that's why they ultimately ended up accepting the help that was offered to them and it was life-changing for them. Um, I think the other piece of it is you have to look at cultural context of their generation, of what it what mental health issues looked like for them, and what it meant to have a mental health issue or a drinking issue as a woman being that age. Uh, I've learned a lot from them about the generational context of different mental health issues, or even what you talk about in front of strangers and as counselors, we're strangers to them. And I've had many of them say, oh, this is a family issue. We'll talk about it behind closed doors. We don't talk about it with strangers. And I have to laugh to myself because I've just grown really accustomed to the fact that if you're seeing a counselor, you're going to discuss all of these intimate things. And so um, being able to navigate a lot of the cultural issues from their generation is really, really important and connect with them on a different a different way than you would with somebody who's younger.
1: And, you know, that's a, a great point, that generational. So is even more of a stigma for those who are older as they think what you're saying. And I guess as you were talking through that, I was thinking through some of my clients who, and some of them now deceased, who have had children, for instance, let's just talk about suicide. I remember a client whose mom had told, and so my client was actually, it was her son, so it was grandma. But grandma didn't want anybody to know that grandson had committed suicide, so told everybody that it was an accident, where mom is like, you know what? That's really hard for me as the mom to not be able to feel like I can't really talk about what happened with my child. And that was, but I think that was even supported by some of the you know cultural issues. Like I think there was a time in the Catholic church if I'm recalling correctly, that you couldn't do a funeral in the same order. You had to change the way your funeral was done. So that stigma was being supported by some of the religious practices that existed at a certain time. So then we're looking at those seniors and saying, well, why aren't they seeking help? So some of it might not just be like, I tend to think sometimes it's we look at the aging with less respect and consideration, which I do think happens, where some cultures, really value aging. I'm not sure that the United States does, at least not in all contexts. And, but I think there's also that they grew up in a time where there was even an even bigger stigma because it still exists today. So that then as an estate planner working with seniors, how can I potentially calm down that stigma so they could talk about their issues possibly to me if they can't talk about it with their children, which happens a fair amount.
3: It does happen a fair amount. Um, I think starting with a story is often the least threatening way to go about it, because when people hear themselves in a story, it makes them feel like one, you understand, and two, you're a safe person to start talking to. So, that that's a way I found that's pretty effective. The other. Way that you can go about it is again normalizing. A lot of people in your position, a lot of people your age, are experiencing these same things, and I know that it's a really lonely place to be, feeling like you can't talk about it, or feeling like if you did, it'd be a burden on your family, or whatever way you want to go about bringing it up. Um, but if you look at that statistic. I think it, I said uh, that people 85 and older are that have the highest suicide rate of any age group. And think about at 85 what you're starting to lose and how you're starting to feel and the depth of connection that they're missing to get to that point where there are, so many of them are killing themselves. I didn't know that statistic. And I'm just in
1: shock with you having shared it. That's, uh, that's just like, that's stunning me, to be honest. And so if, you know, again, as I, as a state planner, what's my role in that? Like if I'm, say I work with a lot of clients that are older and when you share that statistic, is there a particular special, con- I mean, obviously that's a special concern that there's a higher rate of suicide. What else should I keep in mind as a planner when I'm working with that population?
3: I, the, the alcohol use rates are through the roof. Um, they have just as many alcohol use hospital visits, uh, alcohol-related hospital visits as heart attacks. That's, that's concerning. And so when you're noticing um, increased emergency room visits, when you're noticing that, you know, something seems really off, that's the time to check in. And what I've heard from all of these clients that are older is that every single time they've told their kids, oh, it's just my balance. I'm getting older. Oh, it's just, you know, it was dark and I tripped. But that's not the case. And it's really easy to believe some of these excuses that come up in order to see face. And when you form genuine bonds and connections, you're able to then challenge and say, but how are you really doing? You've gone to the emergency room now two times in the last three weeks and it's been at three in the morning. So I'm wondering what's actually happening so that we can figure out what to do together. But change happens in the context of relationships and so does disclosure. So if you take the time to really care about your clients, which I know so many estate planners do, It could literally save their lives because if they have that one connection, that could be the thing that gets them going in the direction of help. But when you don't think anyone cares and you think you're becoming a burden on everyone, most people who commit suicide, they don't do it because it's selfish and all they're thinking about themselves. They do it because they think nobody, you know, they don't
0: want to be a burden on anyone else.
1: We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors.
0: Financial advice is useless without empathy. At Foster Group, we want to hear your story, your goals, your worries about the future. Only then can we help you feel confident about all aspects of your financial life. Come experience how it feels to be truly cared for at Foster Group. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com.
3: Okay,
1: let's continue our episode.
0: Now, we've gone in our practice and and partly
1: with one of my partners, and as I'm listening to you, I feel even more strongly that we refer to, instead of calling an estate plan, an estate plan necessarily. It's really a life plan because the estate Mm -hmm. plan, if you think about it, we call, refer to this practice area as estate planning. Well, estate in and of itself generally implies that the person is deceased. And what really matters is what happens before that time to the extent the person doing the planning. And that's what I say. like, well, again, and I said that in many contexts, but it's, Let's talk about what happens while you're still alive, but you can't take care of yourself in the same way. Because personally, that's one of the times of life that concerns me. But if I as an estate planner notice, and fortunately, most of my clients are long term. So I do have relationships with them and often, you know, have outside the office type of situations. But if we notice or have concerns, we have all these rules about confidentiality and things like that. What do we do?
3: So one of the things is talking about it in advance. If you really have those long-term relationships with them and you can get in before all of these things start to happen and talk to them about, you know, these are some struggles of older people and these are ways to protect against it, including like having a tight-knit social circle including having a purpose, including, you know, all of these things. And if something happens where you start to fall into this other category, what would you like me to do in order to help you? And when most people aren't experiencing those things, they're, they're will, they want help. They want to live. They want to be able to come back. But once you are in that place that's a really dark place, you just don't see any other way out. And so you're less willing to talk about possibilities um, than when you're not in that place. So prevention is everything and planning beforehand is everything. It's way easier to plan proactively than to have to react in a crisis. As estate
1: planners, what I think I'm hearing is we can really help the process by taking the time, establishing a relationship, normalizing not just mental health which is has a stigma but
3: aging 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 is incredibly hard in our society because unlike other cultures that tend to be collectivist cultures they revere older people here we throw them away and we value the young so even there's a book women rowing north um that i read with some of my older clients and um being able to create rituals around aging well or you know I one of the things I started doing a few years ago um, is I started having a celebration of life on my birthday because I didn't earn my birth but I wanted to celebrate my life every year that I'm alive and see the impact that I have on the people close to me and let them share the impact they have on me um, or I have on them rather so you know, I think being able to kind of play with these things makes it less scary and daunting to age.
1: So Women Rowing North mm-hmm. is that I have a 91-year-old mom. Should I have her read them? You should have her read it. Um, I've made a note. I'm like, oh, okay, that book's finding my way <laughs> to my home tonight. Um, so that's great. Well, do you have any last thoughts on the topic of you know, estate planning and seniors today?
3: I think no matter how many years we have left or how many years left behind us, everyone's life is worth fighting for. And if you were in the same position, what would you want somebody to do for you? I think that's so important.
1: And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing on this topic. I'm blessed to work with a lot of seniors, and you've given me some great insight for that work today. So thanks for being here. And as we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory in Housing, and Carson Private Client. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and stay tuned for our weekly releases.
0: Legal needs or questions you may have.
3: Ahura Media Production.